Welcome to Culture Crux. My name is Dr. James Runcorn, and one of the points of the title itself, Culture Crux, is we look at what the words mean. Culture is the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. And then Crux is a particular point of difficulty. Now, we as believers in Christ Jesus, evangelical Christians, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, uh, community of Christ-engaged people, sometimes have the idea that we need to go out and evangelize uh, with a script almost. You know, I'm not, I'm not discounting the Romans Road or anything like that, but when you engage with people who are active in the culture in which we live, there is a point of difficulty. And that point of difficulty is seeing them as an individual with a history, a foundation, a past. And all of our history, all of our past shapes who we are, and it shapes the lens through which we perceive the world around us. Now, if we're going to go to people and immediately present God as if it's some kind of agenda, and again, I'm, I'm not discounting or diminishing people's evangelistic approach. What the purpose is, is to equip us to better engage people more effectively with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is done typically through relational discipleship. That's through the building of relationship and understanding their story and where they come from. Well, I'd like to introduce someone that I have in studio today. His name is Drew. And Drew, I'd, I'd love for you just to share with the audience a little bit about your, your personal background, and then we'll get into spiritual stuff. Uh, well, uh, it's a unique, I'd like to think, background. Uh, I grew up in a very uh, fundamentalist Mormon background, born in Montana, raised in a little community. Uh, dad left, or divorced um, my, my mom in six. She found a guy that allowed her to be her, wanted her to be her second wife, or his second wife, sorry. When you say second, you don't mean his second marriage, his second wife in yeah, his house. Yeah, it was polygamous. Okay. It was fundamentalist polygamist uh, religion. And so it was an illegal, obviously it was a spiritual marriage. Um, and then we, we moved down to St. George, Utah. I was raised for the rest of my life, more, more or less. In St. George, uh, my dad, you know, he had to work in Las Vegas, so he's gone five days a week. We saw him on weekends only. And so my mom was basically a single mo mother five days a week uh, with seven kids. Uh, I, was, I was raised in, in the same fundamentalist church, um, and it, it was... It was rough, you know. There's been plenty of sh TV shows about escaping or the experiences or whatever, and uh, for for me, you know, I I just I was always confused about it. Um, but but when I turned 16, I had a job, and so I happily volunteered to work every Sunday to to <laughs> to kind of not have to go to church or do anything, just because. It was that much of a detriment to me, I, I felt. And uh, shortly thereafter, after finishing high school, I joined the military. I uh, served nine years in the National, Gu National Guard and spent a, spent a wonderful year in Iraq from 05, 06. Um, 
and then uh, right before I left for Iraq, uh, I married my wife. We spent our first year married, half a world apart. Uh, it was a challenge, but uh, we, you know, we gave us a chance to communicate, to learn to have that level of communication because we didn't weren't there in person. Um, came home. Wouldn't you know it? As soon as we get home, uh, we start preparing for our first child. <laughs> uh, our son's born. Um, going to college and uh, doing the typical young married couple life. Uh, we, you know, the economy hit. Kind of lost jobs. We had to barely, we barely, barely survived for about three years, two thousand nine and to eleven, two thousand twelve. You know, we were, we had moved up to Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, down up down from St. George, Utah, um, where I landed a job working with the military, enlisting people, helping people join, go to basic training, um, and then from there, uh, it wasn't a stable enough job, so I applied for some government work and landed a pretty pretty sweet gig up here in Idaho Falls and. We moved here, and uh, I, I, me and my wife talk about it all the time. That this is uh, being up here in Idaho Falls has been the most life-changing experience for us in very, very many ways. So you mentioned that your life was difficult um, in the home. How many wives did your your dad have? My biological father, over the over the course of his life, has had three. My mom. Um, was his first legal wife, and then after years and years after being with his second spiritual wife, uh, he finally married her for a few years, and they got divorced. And then he had another wife in there in between. The guy who raised me that I consider my father, uh, he was there since I was five, six years old. He, uh, He only had two. He had his legal wife, and then he had my mom. Okay. Now you mentioned that it was hard. What what aspect was hard in the home? Are you talking like just family dynamics, or are you talking about um, the religious aspect? Which which part was hard? Um, one of the biggest parts that was hard that stands out the most is the fact that all my life I was told, you know, if anyone finds out what we believe, we will all go to prison. You know, it was very this very fear-based, no one can know. I mean, we, we looked, acted in every, in every way, more or less, like a, your typical Mormon family in, in Utah, but we never went to the local ward. We never did anything religiously, but we had all the pictures and iconogra- icon pictures and statues in, you know, in our house, whatever, um, that would make it look like that so when we had friends neighbors over it was always confusing for them but we could never do anything and my the guy I call my father he uh I could never call him father in public I can never talk to him that way uh during the weekday if I you know being the oldest son in the family needed fatherly advice I kind of wasn't allowed to because he was living his life you know and people at his job, he worked for uh, the local government in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and people couldn't know. Uh, and at that time, polygamy was still consider- considered a felony in Utah, and 
So that's one of the hardest parts. The other, the other part is for to go to church. It was forty five minute drive up to Cedar City, Utah. You know, every Sunday, um, and we didn't always have the accommodations for all of us, and so there was always, uh, not always, I'll say. Uh, Sometimes when there was precarious situations just to get us to church, <laughs> then so it. and and then they added they added stress as I started becoming you know my uh, older teenager, the concept of ha- having to go oh, I I might have to have more than one wife one day because that's what you know all I knew all, all that that's what you do, and so the gravity of that situation just compounded every year it got closer until like I said until I was 16 17 and kind of started backing away and kind of just tapered off so let me ask you something the religious um foundation that you were given as a child Mm -hmm. was that presented as truth absolute truth absolute truth this was the only way we were even taught that I, I I was told many times by my parents that that the the mainstream Mormon church, the leaders really did know about about my parents' church, and it was still associated with it, but it was in secret just to keep uh, plaguing me on earth, you know, you know this one little. But they would always deny it, and so, yeah. So, in terms of a, a religious foundation of truth, is that? one of the things that caused confusion for you as a kid in terms of, I'm, I'm telling you this is the truth, but you're told during the week to live under the guise of a lie, basically. I, I, I was told that this is, this is the only way and that there was no other way and any other way would lead to, you know, hell, damnation, you know, that type of uh, dialogue. And it, I, I guess, ask, ask the question again. So, so I, I was just curious, if you were taught that this is the absolute truth, however, in your daily life, you were instructed to live under the guise of something that wasn't true because you had to pretend that he wasn't your dad, that kind of stuff. Did that cause any kind of conflict within you? Uh, it, it did. I mean, I, I didn't have any uh, traditional, typical experiences, you know, as a boy needing his father. Um, my mom having the stress of raising all of us. Um, it, w- it wasn't fun. I didn't get, he wasn't able to be there for a lot of events. I didn't get a lot of coming of age advice, you know. Uh, it, uh, I, I really didn't have, a, have an identity. You know, I had first been abandoned by my biological father and we signed away legal rights. And then I had this guy that was better than that just simply because he, was was there some you know and uh it just created this confusion in me and in my identity and just what who am i you know i i me me and my spouse talk about it all the time you know we never really had a, a clear kind of an idea or a dream or what our future would be just because it was so uh ambiguous because of because of what we were what I was taught it was just somehow I was supposed to be able to provide eventually for multiple families and living, you know, as a kid, I, I didn't have close friends. I, I had to keep everyone at a distance. You know, I 
was just I felt alone a lot with that as my truth. So then when you, you said around the age of 16, you began to find other things to do rather than engage in the church, like your job and stuff. So what I have teenagers, so I understand, you know, not engaging with the family fully. But what was the core um, what was the core thought inside of you avoiding church? And then at that point when you avoided it, was this a trajectory for the rest of your life or did you and your spouse come back to your, uh, I guess, religious roots in a sense? So I, it, it just kind of happened. Uh, my mom said, okay, you're 16. You need to be doing part-time work, some, something to keep yourself busy. She got me and made me go and get applications. I got a job and I never enjoyed going to church. I mean, being the type of church it was, it was in this really weird building out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was just very, very closed-minded thinking a lot, a lot, a lot of the time. And so having an excuse, you know, as a kid to say, oh, like, I can just say, hey, oh, hey, I'm working, I can't go to church. It just made it easier and easier. Um, I had to avenge a couple times, you know, still go to a few things, uh, 16, 17, but uh, before I turned 18, I, you know, I, I for sure was just completely detached from my parents' religion. So once you and your wife got together, did you have any talks? And how, does she have a similar background? No, she she was uh, born into a traditional uh, Mormon family, mainstream Mormon family, um, and was raised that way. She she came from uh, both her parent. Her dad was a convert into the Mormon church, and her mom was raised in it, and it was very rough going for her. I won't go too much into her situation. Yeah. Um, but she had totally different background uh, to, to, to the fact that her dad, when we, after we'd gotten married, her dad was scared that I was going to bring her back into polygamy uh, mm. just because that was in my background. I had to reassure her many times that that was not the case. I One wife was enough and <laughs> happy with her, you know. So in the early days of your marriage, were you actively involved in any kind of religious practice? Uh, when I, so when I was 18, I joined the, the National Guard and uh, I started because I was raised on the Book of Mormon, um, which is uh, Mormonism's core book. Uh, I was able to say I was Mormon kind of verbally and on Sundays go to sacrament meetings or meetings to, during basic training so gave me some a, a little bit of a break uh, i met a, a guy there who found out i really wasn't fully mormon and in, in in that capacity at least and he started making me actually take the discussions you know it was a, so i started taking the missionary discussions and basic training and i got about halfway through got home um and somehow the missionaries and Port Sill, Oklahoma, got a hold of missionaries in uh, St. George, Utah, and uh, they asked me to finish the discussions, and I saw it as a way to really make a, a hard line, like I have left my parents' church, I'm going to this, you know, the, the mainstream church, just because it felt familiar in, in, a, in a sense. So I had been, you know, baptized as a member of the Mormon church when I was 18. Uh, my wife grew up 
typically, you know, baptized eight years old, raised that way, young women's seminary, all that, that kind of jazz. So and, then did the two of you continue to go to the temple and everything you're supposed to do? Uh, after I got back from Iraq, um, we, it was a really confusing time. And uh, I just kind of got into a mode of, uh, well, I guess this is what you're supposed to do. You just do a religious thing. You just go to church. And since we were both Mormon, we both both just started going and attending meetings and whatnot. And uh, eventually uh, we decided, hey, well, the next step would be, you know, to go to the temple. Uh, you know, we'd been married a couple of years at that point. And so we took temple prep classes and we went to church, went went through the temple, you know, and got sealed together as a wife, husband and wife, and uh, we we attempted to stay vigilant and go as much as we could, but it uh, was really hard for us to to continue to go. And um, could you just elaborate for a second? Which which aspect was hard? <sighs> It just didn't feel natural. It was it, it, it to us. It felt as if, uh, since it was just what you're supposed to do, the longer we did it, it just felt off. It wasn't really our choice. We have a lot of times that we've talked about in our life instances or choices that were, we made that were based off of the pressure and the or the guilt or the slight persuasion you know, of members of the church, Mormon church, or family that said, hey, this is the way you do it. So we just kind of went along with it. Again, our only identity was were these things, the, you know, this religion, and we didn't really know to think any different, you know. So for us, that's just how it went. And when we moved to Salt Lake City, it gave us a chance to kind of find our own groove. We, we stumbled quite a bit, you know, uh, but we got away from a lot of that uh, – pressure the the guilt with you not doing it the right way kind of a thing and we weren't really very active when we were in Salt Lake City um, and then when we moved to up here to Idaho uh, it was it was a very very different culture uh, with Mormonisms in Idaho even though it's Utah light in a lot of ways but it's, it's a lot a lot nicer community a lot less demanding um, wasn't being shoved down our throats in, in a sense. Um, and while we were here, uh, you know, we were achieving things as a couple and as a family that we didn't think were possible. And there was times that it, we sat down and started questioning, like, why aren't we better? Why aren't we happier? What is what is going on? And we've in our marriage, we've always had this concept of, you know, if you're not doing something in your life to move forward, to improve, to get better, to to work towards something, you're dying. You know, you got to be working on stuff, on stuff. You know, not there's no way to get perfection, but you got to work towards it. Um, and through this process, you know, we I, I first stumbled upon information about the Mormon Church that uh, put it in a whole different light to me, and I shared it with my wife and we, we were inactive at the time uh not going to church not attending any capacity we'd have neighbors joke about uh 
we, well, we're going to get your son baptized eventually. And because we never attended, we're like, yeah, sure, good luck, you know. <laughs> but uh, the more we read about the history of the Mormon church, the more we uh, came to understand its true origins. We realized we'd been fed a, a farce in both my childhood and in our, my adult life with re religion. And it was this very <sighs> jarring. The, 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 the only way I've ever been able to describe it, leave, leaving the Mormon church uh, was is is a really really bad divorce one sided mm. because our whole foundation who we were what we were made of the deci key decisions we made in our life were based off of this belief this concept and we couldn't take those decisions back and so in order to find our truth find out who we really are who we wanted to be we had to break down a lot of our core foundation as, as individuals me and my wife to find out who we were and in doing so the a lot of things came to light that we never really shared with each other and it was very liberating but it was a very it was a struggle for a long time so based on that divorce, as you put it, from the entire religious foundation you both had been raised in, what did that do to your perception and concept of God? So when I first left, like like we, there's a lawyer that uh, offers a service for free for anyone who wants to. So there's actually a legal service to help people. It's a it's a, it's a guy who, from what I remember, he, he is an attorney legally. He has a website and. He, he, you can submit your information to him and on your behalf, he has a, just a generic letter that he mails off to the Mormon church for people to get their records officially removed. And even though our kids weren't, weren't baptized, we had to do it for our kids too, because if they, uh, get a blessing, uh, their name blessing when they're babies, they're a member of record. And so there's still records and the importance, you know, little caveat, the importance of that is, uh, the Mormon church has the ability to track down, you know, uh, inactive members or previous members or whatnot. And if there's a record of them, and so we, we didn't want our kids to be subjected to that in their adult life. And so we had to remove their names as well. Um, and w during that process, we, I, uh, contacted a cousin of mine who was also raised, uh, in the polygamist faith that I was as a child. And he had found his way to Christianity. Um, and so I, I talked to him. At first he thought I was calling for an MLM pitch in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I love those calls. Oh, yeah. And I, and, and I had to clarify, you know, tell him really what, what was going on. I'm trying to find, okay, that, that wasn't true. But what about the Bible? What about Christ? What about, you know, God, religion, you know? telling me your journey and he you know he, he shared it with me we talked on the phone a few times um he was very kind i mean we, we we were close as really young kids but not a lot as adults but he was very kind and him and his wife sent uh, me and my wife uh, i think it was new K new king james versions of the bible uh m 
easier reading. Um, we got those. We're reading through it, trying to understand it. And one of the conversations we had, I had with him was, you know, you just need to get on your knees and say a prayer, you know, and and talk to God. And I I remember I made okay, I you know, the kids are in bed, Jenny, or sorry, my wife is doing something else, and uh, so I went in my room, just shut the door, got on my knees, and I prayed my heart out. And I sat there afterwards, and I just hoped for something, some some kind of truth for me. And it was it was for me. It was such a definitive. There was nothing there. There was no feeling. There was no inspiration. There was no a thing that solidified that for me to say this is something you should pursue with your family, and and. So at that point, I, I I decided, well, let's explore this this concept of life without religion, without you know the idea of God in our life. How does that you know how does that affect us? What will we do as a family? And uh, and uh, and there was also the the added benef- benefit, the added situation where. Because of my wife and my pretty negative, consistently negative experiences in religion, Mormonism and the fundamentalist Mormonism, uh, we, we we weren't really the greatest advocates for for religion because all I really knew was guilt. Like like anything I did, I should be, I should feel guilt for everything I did, you know. And and that goes back to a lot of you know the way I was treated or the way I was, what I was told I, I, I was expected to be or be the guy, what I was default was, you know, uh, by my parents. So we weren't just, we weren't the greatest advocates and I, and I could not, we could not in any sense subject our kids to something that we weren't sure of ourselves and we could not give them, we didn't feel like we could give them good, clear guidance on it because how do, how do you say something's positive when all all you ever had is something negative you know associated with it so what is your current like right here today what is your current opinion of god uh i i i classify myself as atheist you know i i don't i, I talk to people about him and how you know, this journey um i i don't believe there is a there is a god out there um but I don't go around, you know, preaching it out there. I don't, you know, I, I, I say this is my life. I have one. I've got to live it the best way I can. i got to be the best me, best husband, best father I can because this is, this is what I got. And it's given me a lot, lot of motivation to improve things. But I, and, and it's not like hate or anything towards any specific religion. or anything. It's just for me, it just, it just doesn't make sense. It it doesn't. There's nothing that rings true to me when I when I see it, when I read it, when I have been been around it. Now that's not to say that I don't see religions. Uh, you know, you're a great example of this. You know, you I've told you this before, but you are one of the you and your family are one of the best examples I've ever seen of you know, the teachings of Christ, you know, 
Good Samaritan, you know, being good to others, just just trying to be good people in general. And it's been refreshing. It's been so nice to have that additional example in, in, in my life because, I mean, I have friends also in the, in the Mormon church. So they're my neighbors and their friends, and they're not, they're great and positive as well. But, you know, truly Christian beliefs and in, in, in trying to apply that as much as possible, you know, it, I feel like it's, it's few and far between. And so we, as a, as a family, we teach our kids to think freely. I don't tell my kids they're going to be atheists. And if they start to parrot what me and my wife say, I correct them and say, nope, you're, you're too young. When you get older, you need to go on your own journey and, and find what for you is, is true. You know, they're kids and stubborn and okay, sure, whatever, dad, but I, I, I want my kids to be happy, and if when they get older they find a faith that brings in that joy, I'm all for it. I'll make sure they, you know, ask the right questions and do their due diligence. But if it brings them happiness, I'm not against it. I'm not anti-religion in that sense of that no one can find happiness in it. Um, but yeah. Well, Andrew, I want to I want to thank you so much for being open and honest and vulnerable uh, to share your story. Um, I I do feel like it's important. You know, we have we do have a friendship, um, and I continually, you know, I, I speak what I believe is truth into your life. And there, it's a shame. It's heartbreaking to me when it's not just your story, but other stories where people's view of God has been damaged by human sinfulness, human nature. And um, there is a God who loves you, and there's a God who created you in his image, and he has great plans for your life, and he loves you and your family. And, um, you know, no matter where you end up in this journey, agnostic, atheist, you know, fully embracing that there's a God who loves you, whatever it is, uh, my family and I will continue to love you guys. And, uh, again, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. So in today's discussion, our guest, Drew, uh, he had some pretty harsh experiences in his childhood. And the important thing to remember about his journey is he was presented a foundation of absolute truth, which later crumbled. And when it crumbled, that shook his worldview, that shook his perspective of God. And he then got sent on this trajectory of denying that God exists. Now, um, I was fortunate enough that he expressed some of the relational community that he and his wife and my wife and I have with him uh, because of the relationship we're building and continue to build. We're able to speak truth in love into their lives, but it isn't with an aggressive agenda to simply convert them. I, I, as a person, really want them to see and experience genuine Christianity in action. I don't just want it to be my words. I want them to see my life. I want them to see our actions. I want them to see me um, inter- interacting with my kids at home. And um, the idea of hypocrisy cannot exist in the relationship that 
my wife and I have with Drew and his wife or his family. So when you encounter someone who seems to be resistant to the idea of God, it's important to remember that they have a history where their faith was challenged, where they met some kind of event in life that caused that theological foundation or platform that either they had or maybe was never established to begin with, uh, and that, that foundation crumbled or, as I said, was never established. So when you engage with people, hear their story, hear where they come from, and pray earnestly for the guiding of the Holy Spirit while you're speaking with them and while you continue to build and establish that relationship moving forward, how God would have you interact with them in their lives. God bless you as you evangelize through your relational communities.